Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the show. I'm your host, Endgamer, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Ed Bellis. Yep. And we have a very exciting show for you tonight. Uh, we had to bring in some real experts to discuss the big topic of the week. Uh, we have Leon joining us. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. And we're also joined by another uh, big-time expert, a uh, big-time stats poster, uh, and that would be Charmander. It's beyond the show. And both those guys have been doing uh, breakdowns in stats, uh, very much worth checking out, uh, breakdowns of round one. And we're doing kind of a round one wrap-up show. Uh, we also have a very big upset to talk about that some of you might have heard about. What upset um, is that, Endgamer? <laughs> well, well, Ed, before we get into it, first of all, I have one quick question for you. Um, do you use a program on your computer called iTunes? Nope. Well, I don't either. Um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's kind of a, a crappy program, actually. However... As do I. However... Last week, I went out to the iTunes store and submitted the show uh, for inclusion in the uh, iTunes music store. And earlier this week, it was accepted, which means we are now the official GameFAQs podcast on iTunes. If you do use that program, just search for GameFAQs. Uh, we come up as the number one result. And you can listen to any past shows or subscribe, and they'll automatically be downloaded to your computer or your iPod. Awesome. So, yep, pretty. What do you know? <laughs> but now, uh, what Ed was getting to was, of course, the death of the Noble Nine, I guess. Uh, it took 125 matches, but they have lost now in a 1v1 setting, missing no over Chrono. 50.29% of the vote was the final total. In a very high-scoring, uh, heavily rallied match. Boy, this caught us by surprise. Chrono had 97% backing in the Guru contest. Only seven uh, brackets went with the Messino upset. Leon, do you have any idea how could this happen? How were we blindsided by this uh, Pokemon glitch? See, to me, I, 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 you know, people talked. They kind of joked about it when the bracket first came out, and like I don't think anybody seemed to really take it too seriously. You know, I mean, he did pretty good. Missing No did pretty good on the vote-in poll, but, like, nobody was taking that seriously. But to me, I didn't I didn't think very much about it because Chrono had beaten L-Block pretty easily two times last year, and I didn't think there was any way Missing No could be any stronger than L-Block. So I, I figured Chrono probably win pretty easily. I was kind of surprised, and I didn't I didn't really think joke characters, you know, whatever you want to call them, could really um, have the kind of successful rallying power in 1v1 one, one one as they had in four ways just due to the fact that it was, you know, just two characters instead of four. So that, I think that was the main thing that really caught me by surprise there. All right, and uh, the average prediction, it's not like we were super overconfident in Corona. We had him at about 60% in the Oracle consensus. Charmander, what, what was your take on the match? How could Messino possibly have pulled that off? Not really sure. After um, Chrono beat Pikachu, and I always thought Pikachu was the strongest Pokemon in the bracket. Yeah, here's the single, and he won. Kind of surprised, really. Ed, did you have any any insight? Um, how could, and I mean, this wasn't even the Noble Niner who had looked weakest heading into the year. How how could Messino have have gotten past him? I think the key to a successful joke character is universal appeal. 
And we learned in the games contest that it seems like the the vast majority of the site has played Pokemon. And I feel like Missing No is one of those things that almost everyone that comes to the site gets intuitively. So I think it's it's that recognition factor that goes into it. It's the same thing that Lblock had in his initial run, um, because everybody knows Tetris. I guess that's what happened. I don't. I didn't think that would be strong enough to beat Chrono, but there you go. It was. And that's something I brought up in my crew write-up, but that was actually like my heaviest point against this this Pokemon glitch. As I said, Tetris, everyone has played, and of course, L Block in a match pick looks totally ridiculous. Um, so it's going to catch people's attention, and and everyone's everyone's in on the joke with the Tetris piece. And I said, what percentage of the site could possibly have not just played the first generation, but to have played it far enough to experience this glitch or take advantage of this glitch? I thought, you know, maybe 30, 40 percent. But from there, where are you going to get the extra votes? And to me, it it just seems that uh, much like L Block, it's more a matter of kind of contest anti-voting or, or people saying, you know, we've seen this eight times now. Uh, we need something different. We need something exciting, even if it's really off the wall, like an L block or a Messino. And so that's what they went with. And I don't know, kind of a shame. The, the one thing I did want to say, though, is I don't think this reflects that badly on Chrono. I think almost any character outside of maybe that Klinkeroth tier would have been taken advantage of the same way because... Chrono came back. I mean, he scored a, a ton of votes, but there was just enough of a rally to always keep him behind. Leon, would you agree, or, or would you say this was really disappointing for, for Chrono? I, I mean, it's obviously disappointing because, I mean, it, it shattered the Noble Nine, you know, went out first round. I mean, but I, once Missing No kind of got ahead and got up like a 600-vote lead, I think is about how high it got. I kind of had the feeling that, you know, no matter what Chrono did, it was going to be over from there. He just he just wasn't gonna have the ability to, to overcome whatever rallying he had. But I I think just with how Pokemon crazy this site is now, when we saw a good RY did in the games contest and how good Pikachu has done, how good Charizard did, you know, just how good Pokemon in general has done, just the fact that missing no turned out to be so strong isn't necessarily surprising. I mean it did surprise me I wasn't thinking Corona would lose, but I mean I can understand it just because of how popular Pokemon has gotten on, on game FAQs. Wait a minute now. Do you actually pronounce it that way? Yes, I do. Oh God. Okay. Char- I'm one of those. Wait, Char. Did you just? Okay, Char. What site do we vote on? Game facts. Game facts. There we go. See, it's, it's only facts when it's preceded by Zach. Zach facts. <laughs> it's it's usually always coming down to two versus two on these podcasts. Yeah. And yeah. well, that's because you and I split there, yeah. and the, the, we normally just get the guests to split. Okay. All right, got way off track there, but I I usually ask before we start recording. <laughs> so the the obvious next question is uh Messino has done it, uh knocked out the Noble 9. <clears throat> next up is a match against Yoshi who looked very good. Charmander, would you say that this has made the the Pokémon glitch the favorite to go all the way this year or is something going to be able to stop it? Well, I think Messino will defeat Yoshi. He, Yoshi's nowhere near Chrono, and I don't think Chrono's dropped overall, but once Masingo hits Sephiroth, I don't think he's going to win it. Sephiroth's a lot stronger than Chrono, and 
I just don't see it happening. Well, d- definitely in, in normal circumstances, you'd, you'd put Sephiroth well ahead. But then again, there's that L-block bandwagon kind of factor. And, Ed, do, do you think, think that's going to happen uh, for Mizno? Is it going to keep gaining steam from round to round and be able to beat Sephiroth by round three? I think there's that to consider. I think there's also the fact that Sephiroth does get a lot of anti-votes. Um I think he's strong enough that doesn't normally matter. I mean, Sephiroth rarely ever has any close matches because he's so far ahead of everybody else. But when you have somebody that directly threatens him, and you have, like you said earlier, the alternative of let's try something new and try something fresh, I think that could only help Missing No. And I think that, um, I, I think, I would venture to say that the glitch is probably the favorite against Sephiroth, at least in my eyes. And if if he does pull that off, uh, Leon, is there any stopping him? Could even Cloud, Link, Snake, could anyone stop him if he's able to get by Seth? See, if he can get past Sephiroth, the, the bandwagon is just going to become so huge that it's, it's just going to pile on him. We, we've already seen Cloud perform badly against Ridley. We've already seen even Link underperform a little bit against Thrall and against Alucard yesterday. I mean, it's just, I, I think if Missing No can get past Sephiroth, it's just, it's it's on the home stretch from there. Ed kind of touched on something. I think Yoblazer was talking about it in stats, where the FF7 guys get out to such a bad start that even if there isn't a bandwagon, you're going to go and see, uh, you know, a glitch from Pokemon with 60% against one of the top three characters from the site early on, and they're going to get, a, you know, a few hundred votes behind and then all of a sudden from there um it it should be really easy to to rally against them and keep it going it's kind of happened against chrono so i i think i agree at at this point i I don't count yoshi out entirely because the the one thing i noticed is um you know l block took a while to gain steam back in 2007 and he kept getting stronger every year but then already by the bonus match, it seemed like people were kind of sick of him. He he lost to the question mark block uh, in the bonus match. And then in 2008, he clearly wasn't the, the same powerhouse. And now with Mizno starting out so strong, I, I feel kind of like it might be one of the things where you burn bright, but then you burn out sooner. Probably the most important question, uh, this is such a weird result... Uh, goes so far against the X stats that would you guys say it it hurts your overall appreciation for this contest? Do you care less that we can you know discuss stats and discuss results for half an hour and then something totally out of left field like this can happen and and blow us away? Does that make you appreciate the contest a little less? Uh, Charmander, you can start. Uh, not really. As long as Masingo doesn't outright win the contest, I think he's just a really strong character that can handle some of the lower tiers of the Noble Nine. So you're okay with him, but if he gets up into that Clinkeroth range, then you kind of feel like it's a game-breaker as far as contest is concerned. Well, yeah, because if one character is at one strength at one round and boosts randomly in a different round, it's kind of hard to predict the bracket. It definitely is, and... So, Leon, would you say this is on a different level than um, L-Block back in 2007, or or is it kind of the same thing all over again? 
Um, it's it's hard to say, really. I mean, the thing about what took L Block so long is L Block didn't really face anybody that would like, whoa, this guy came really close. We just start bandwagoning around him until he almost beat Snake in round three. I mean, now missing though is you know beat Chrono right off the bat and you know had a close match. So um, I I just don't know. But for me, I'm 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 a contest purist, I guess you'd say. One of those guys who just likes good matches against you know established characters. And it's I'm I'm not a big joke character guy. So if if Missing No loses to Sephiroth, that's fine. But I, I, I just don't want to see him win the contest. I mean, I, I wasn't particularly excited about Missing No, Chrono. I mean, it was a good match, but it wasn't something that I was on edge for or anything because I was just kind of, I want to say it left a bitter taste in my mouth, but it wasn't something that I was very happy about. So the, the purists aren't behind it too much. Ed, you're a bit of a less traditional stats and discussion guy, I would say. So are are you more behind the the Pokemon glitch or, or or do you agree with the rest of us? One of the things that Leon and I were talking about before the podcast actually started was I tend to look I don't really it doesn't matter to me what who the character is or what game the character's from right I don't have personal attachments to the characters like a lot of other people do. I just tend to look at it as do they make for an interesting contest? Do they lead to interesting matches and is it fun? To me, the four ways were interesting, but they weren't fun because there was no element of prediction involved. Um, you have to you have to have both. You can't completely throw out prediction, but at the same time, you can't have it be like completely predictable. You have to have like unpredictability and a certain element of logic to it, I suppose. And I feel like the one-on-ones are uh, more geared towards that. And I don't think that. A character making a Cinderella run like Missing No might make is going to really throw that off. Um, it's just going to maybe make for an interest, more interesting contest. I think if this were a four-way, it would be a totally different story because you'd have all these other factors going into it. And you'd have SFF from every corner, and it would just be a disaster. But here with the one-on-one, it's able to be more traditional. It's able to be like, you know, I mean, like Charmander said, there might be more of a bandwagon. But at the same time, it's easier to track to a certain extent so does that kind of make sense what i'm saying like it's 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 not i don't think it's a bad thing i think if anything because of the format it's gonna lead to a more interesting contest yeah i i agree with you if if this were four ways i would be much more strongly against it because as we saw it really doesn't take that much to keep advancing in a four way i mean you get a, a static higher 20s low 30s percent of the site that's going to support you and that's all you need which is why I was so happy when, when Pikachu pulled that big upset in 08. My take on the whole thing, I don't mind it overly much just because that entire Sephiroth division was so bad to start from. I mean, if if just the standard matches had played out, it was going to be a terrible SFF fest. And I thought kind of going in, I don't know if I really believe in the, the contest gods or whatever, but I said, if there are contest gods... They're going to cause something weird to happen in that division that's going to either knock Seth off early or uh, get him close enough to keep things interesting. And I was kind of banking on Chrono survives the first two rounds, gets a sprite match against Seth, and then maybe overperforms, maybe pulls the miracle. So based on that, I don't mind it so much. The other thing I really didn't like... Um, at the end of the match, uh, we're, we're getting down to the final minutes, and then SB came in and said, uh, hey, we're going to extend the match by 30 minutes. 
<laughs> oh wait, just kidding. That was awesome, though. It, it was it was awesome in hindsight, but at the time I was upset just because I was like, okay, he, here's a guy, he's running the site, you know, he's making jokes and he's kind of just laughing and being like, well, I got ninety thousand votes, so that means it was a good match for me, and I was kind of upset at him for for not caring whatsoever. But then only a couple minutes later, it came in and said, yes, I checked the results. Everything was legit. Mizno even won with the people who are registered for the boards. There wasn't cheating, and, and Chrono actually tried to cheat more. So some people, yeah, which makes sense. I mean, it all makes sense uh, based on what we've seen from Chrono Trigger in the past, back before there were so many uh, you know, cheating restrictions in place. And some people don't really believe that SB looked into it that much, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. So that made me feel better about the whole thing. And then at least, as Ed said, at least Mizno is, is earning his way to the next round. He has to get 50% of the vote, which is no easy task. So <clears throat> I wouldn't say I love it, but I do support it. And it really hasn't hurt my, my interest in the contest uh, too much. There was one other upset that was, of course, totally overshadowed, and uh, Darth Revan is glad of that because people have already forgotten <laughs> how embarrassing uh, his performance was. But th- that that was the that was the win by Terra, uh, almost 54% of the vote. Leon, what did you think about that? Revan had uh, 62% of the gurus behind him, but he did not come through for us. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty upset at Revan for a few reasons. For one thing, he killed my guru bracket, so that, that's just unforgivable. <laughs> Second thing, he's an NRT guy, and as an NR, and as the NRT originator, seeing a guy that that we help support get into the contest, get a good seed, see him bomb, just I I I don't like that because I I like to see NRT guys do well. You know, I've I've never played Knights of the Old Republic, but I'd like to see NRT guys do well regardless of who they are. So to see him lose, and of course, third thing he lost to to Tara Branford which is embarrassing in and of itself. I mean, Terra Branford got quadrupled by Zelda, couldn't even get 60% on Kerrigan, and it's just, and then, you know, goes out and beats Darth Revan. And, you know, and, and all these Knights of the Old Republic fanboys give me, you know, trying to reassure me, oh, yeah, he's more likely to double Terra than to lose to her. And it's just, uh, I mean, not that I'm bitter about this result or anything, but, you know, whatever. Not at all. Who was the one who said that in the crew topic right before, sorry, was that KP? Yeah, it was KP. <laughs> I didn't want to name names, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He deserves it for for a mess up like that. Charmander, who who did you have in that one? Did Were you backing Terra? No, I had Darth. But before the match, I really thought Terra had a good chance of winning. Both T-Cell did well on Knuckles, and Kafka defeated Arthas. So there might have been a Dissidia boot to help her out, and it looks like it did. Yeah, that's uh, kind of interesting how... That game seems to not have done too much for, you know, the newer characters, but the older characters have certainly looked better because of it. Ed, you've had a pretty good run recently in, in close matches. Did you get this one right? No. I had Revan. Um, I agreed with Leon's logic. Terra has never really managed to impress at all in this contest. I figured uh, Revan would have some kind of cross-franchise appeal where he's a Star Wars character. He's got Darth in his name. They even gave him a lightsaber. I thought all the factors really would add up to be a pretty impressive performance, and none of that was there. And he really just flopped, and I don't know. There's really there's minimal excuse for him flopping, I think. In the crew topic, I said how proud of myself I was for sticking with Terra. And I got called out on that. I said, 
you're, you're chickened out if you only pick character to win by, you know, 0.01%. Yeah, I hate doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but in my defense, uh, I looked at the Oracle prediction topic, and there were 19 predictions next to mine, and 18 of them were for Darth, and mine was the only one for Terra in the 19-row block. So still justifiably proud of myself for saving myself the, uh, the five points there. <laughs> because every point matters uh, when you're in the top ten. So, uh, all right, one other thing we did want to touch on, uh, just because we have Leon on the show this week, and that was uh, Squall. Yes. Over Akuma, uh, the final percentage there was 68%. Of course, what everyone's looking at is uh, the, the Squall-Oran match, and uh, Oran won with not quite 58%, but against a Final Fantasy VII character. Leon, how, how did those results strike you? And if, Well, we know who you're favoring, but <laughs> could, could you justify who you're favoring in uh, that big clash coming up? Well, for me... Um Squall did about what I expected. I, I predicted him 71% just because I'm a Squall and I was hoping he'd go that high. But 68% doesn't really disappoint me at all because, because it, I mean, it, it doesn't make Akuma look too bad. I, I thought Akuma was actually pretty decent in strength. And, I mean, even even after how badly Ken did against Wesker and, you know, just how bad Street Fighter kind of looked. You know, as we looked recently, I still thought Akuma was pretty decent. So I thought 68% for Squall was pretty good. And then with Auron, um, we we know. I mean, I know that Squall faced Aerith in 2007, but it was four ways. It's kind of different. Squall did do a little bit better um, overall percentage-wise, about a percent better, I think it was. And I think one of the things I think probably the Aerith that Squall beat was a little bit stronger than the one that Aerith beat because we saw between 2007 and 2008 is how FF7 just kind of dropped, like how Vincent goes from beating Chrono easily to losing to him on the last update. It, it's hard to take anything too definite from it because Akuma is not really a one we have a, a definitive ballpark strength on, but I, it didn't really do anything to, to shake my confidence in Squall. Yeah, it, it was a solid performance, and just based on the Oracle, uh, Squall ended up uh, just maybe a half percent more than, than the consensus, whereas Oren was uh, underperformed by about 3%. I think we were all just basically saying FF7 has been looking so great, but actually it has looked pretty good and especially after seeing uh tifa do good and then vincent did good later on um so it seems more it's just those those top guys who are kind of getting anti-voter that made us uh think the game was a little weaker than uh, perhaps it is the one other kind of interesting kind of debated match going in was between big daddy and soap and uh ice hawk famously had a lot of faith in his boy soap handed almost a 62 percent beat down Ed, how embarrassed would you be right now if you were Icehawk? I'd be pretty embarrassed if I was Icehawk. I'd be very embarrassed. <laughs> no, I mean, I I thought this match was going to be a lot closer than it was, too. I mean, when you think about, you look at John Price, who overperformed against Mega Man. Looks like an overperformance now, at least. Um, I, going into this contest, I didn't think the Call of Duty characters would be anything special. But at the same time, I also didn't have a lot of faith in Big Daddy to do that well. Um, so I think Big Daddy, and I guess maybe because Bioshock 2 just came out, and maybe that was a bit of an overperformance there, but, I mean, this was, this was just a weird result in terms of what we'd expect after Price's performance in round one. And that Price performance keeps on looking stranger, because it's not like Mega Man X really dropped the ball 
uh, today either. And all the other Mega Man characters looked really good in round one. And all the Call of Duty guys looked really bad. So I don't really understand what Price was doing that day. Uh, seems like a real outlier. Charmander, did you have any thoughts on that? The the big who, who did you pick in that one? Were you one of the soap backers? No, I had Big Daddy, but I actually thought it would be a much closer match. Um, looking at it, I know Bioshock Two just came out, but Price looked really good earlier this round. He, yeah, he he definitely did, and well, we saw it in in one other match, which, which we can kind of touch on, but it seems that when you can get a match in your opening week, it's a real big boost, which makes sense. I mean, there's people on the site playing the game, checking the FAQs, and and going on the boards. But even beyond that, um, the two guys looked really good. And, of course, Big Daddy with around 62%. The other guy who looked just incredible was uh, Commander Shepard, putting up nearly 76%, which was, at the time, I think either the fourth or, or fifth biggest blowout of the whole round. Leon, were you as, as shocked by that one as the percentages would indicate? Well, for me, I, I really didn't know what to expect from this match because I, I, I haven't played Mass Effect. I haven't played Left 4 Dead. I didn't really know either one of these characters. When I saw the bracket, I just saw, well, Shepard's the higher seed, and I'll pick him. And my Oracle, I just kind of, like, I, I knew Shepard was the main character, and I didn't know anything about Ellis. I, I, didn't, I hadn't heard anything about him, so I just kind of put... Uh, Shepard with a doubling, just kind of just out of nowhere. I didn't really have any great expectations, but I mean, a tripling for, I mean, for someone like Shepard, who we saw look pretty bad last year against uh, Sonic and Sandbag and Magus last year. So for him to go and put a tripling out there, I I think it speaks more about how, just how bad Ellis is. And just the fact we're talking about, can this guy beat Eddie Riggs? Can this guy beat Sandal? I mean, that's basically what we were taking from that match. But I think there's some people who think Shepard can do pretty good on Pikachu next round. He, he, he might, but I, I still think this just speaks worse of Ellis, and it speaks good for Shepard. But, I mean, 75% on anybody is pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Mario did it, Pikachu did it, but those were SFF matches, so we kind of explained it away. And, yeah, for Shepard to do it. I do think Ellis is, you know, down there uh, – one of the worst characters this year, but still, that I think it really speaks to how much it can do to get you know an opening week matchup in your favor. Uh, the other result that we're kind of interested in for round two is going to be Big Daddy after that good showing against Ness, who also looked very good, uh, nearly 65% against Gino. That one is going to be a night match uh, where Big Daddy has already looked pretty good. Ed, who are you favoring in that uh, in that affair? I'm still going to go with Big Daddy. Um, Gino's never really looked all that impressive in these contests, and I think, again, this is another SFF match. Um, I feel like... Ness kind of has an edge in the sense that Gino's only really been in one game. It came out the same time as Earthbound. Ness has the edge in terms of Smash exposure, and I don't know. I'm, I'm still favoring Big Daddy. I think maybe it's a little confirmation bias there, too, because I went into it thinking Big Daddy would win in the first place. Maybe it's a little confirmation bias there, but I'm still going to stick with the uh, the walking suit of armor there. Okay. And uh, Charmander, keeping in mind that, that as I said, it's a night match, where where are you leaning on that round two uh, match? Well, at first I had Ness, but now I think Big Daddy has a good chance at it. I really think Ness, um, same fan base factor, Gino last round, and that performance against Soap was pretty good. And plus, um, Ness has that European vote, which apparently Earthbound wasn't released in. 
that shouldn't really that should help uh, Big Daddy a bit more. Yeah, that's that's an important factor for sure. And I think with the way it went, I might have a little more respect for Gino than other people because I do think he got a raw deal uh, having to do battle with Squall uh, two years in a row. But I, I think I'd barely favor Ness in a day match, but with it being a night match and, as you said, uh, you know, Europe coming into play, I, I do give Big Daddy a slight edge there. Should be a a pretty fun, pretty close match. One other kind of disappointing result. A lot of people were hyping up uh, Gordon Freeman, reigning champion of the most recent character battle, not on this site, but uh, a similar site. And people were talking him up. uh, Could he beat Tifa? Instead, he went out and and did only 53% on Peach. Leon, is, is that as disappointing as the numbers would indicate? It's it's pretty disappointing for Gordon, but I I thought it was pretty funny personally because I, I I thought it was pretty funny for all the people who thought that he really had a chance at Tifa, which I I thought was pretty preposterous. But just to see him go out and struggle with Peach, who nobody cares about, nobody cares about Peach, and from just to go and put only fifty three point twenty five percent up was pretty sad. But I, I but I mean that's kind of what we expect from Gordon. But I mean at least he didn't lose the match. I mean that that, that just tells you how far he's come. He he disappointed in winning, which you know that's that's just a that just tells you how far he's come. Yeah, in my crew write-up, I was trying to justify how Peach could keep him, you know, out of the 60s, and I said, well, Peach is one of those like but not really love characters, kind of like uh, a Donkey Kong, like really recognizable. Uh, everyone likes some, but no one really loves them. But then I thought, does anyone actually like Peach? And then <laughs> no. I, I almost, I almost convinced myself to go like, you know, 65 on Gordon because I'm like, wait a minute. No one actually likes it, do they? But apparently they do, or or they don't it like was, Gordon. Or... It was Zen's match pick, I tell you. The link <laughs> just got him. That, that was a good, uh, her taunt from uh, from Brawl, that was a good one. All right, uh, so we talked about pretty much uh, all the matches from the last section here. One thing I wanted to touch on before we go, kind of just a round one wrap-up, and I thought we'd do that by taking a look at the top fives in a couple categories. First thing we were going to look at is the top five disappointments of the round. And these are characters who do end up winning the match, but they do so by much uh, less than we had expected in the Oracle. And the number five most disappointing player of round one was Cloud, only managing less than 72% against Ridley. Fourth was Leon against Vault Boy. Pretty surprising considering how good Resident Evil had been doing. Uh, next up was Mega Man X, which we just talked about against Price. Underperformed our expectations by 7%. Number two, and you, you had to know this was coming, Knuckles against Cecil. Underperformed by nearly 8%, but the number one disappointment of round one was Sonic, who underperformed by over 8% against Lightning. And out of that top five, Charmander, what really uh, jumps out at you? Well, the Sonic Lightning match, never really thought Final Fantasy XIII was that popular before the game actually came out in North America. Pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, that doesn't make a, a ton of sense. Well, I, I, said, I said in my write-up, could 5% of the site even have played this game? And, and I don't think they could have, based on how low our Japan uh, votals are. And so it was really hard for me to keep Sonic in the 60s even. And wow, that was uh, that was really something. Ed, what what one really surprises you out of those five? 
probably Leon. Like, Leon's always been a really big superstar. And for him to not, maybe I underestimate Vault Boy there, but I think I had him as the star of the, or somebody had him as the star of the week the one week we did that that match. That was you, yeah. Yeah. And also, I think the Mega Man X match that I talked about earlier just doesn't make any sense when you look at Soap um, for Price to have overperformed like that. And then Knuckles, I think, is just abysmal there. Like, that is just, that's just terrible. Ugh. <laughs> that's so bad. Now, Leon, not to steal your, your thunder from the uh, turd of the round, which you'll be mm-hmm. posting in stats shortly, but of of these five, who would be your turd of, of those five characters? Definitely got to be Knuckles. For me, I think all the other four, you can kind of explain it away. Like, Lightning, I think just maybe the hype better than we thought it was. I mean, I almost voted for Lightning just because I'm so hyped about it. Price, just maybe we underestimated Call of Duty. Vault Boy, just, I mean, just... I think that I think that reflects better on Vault Boy than than makes Leon look bad. And then Ridley, I think him finally getting a picture that actually you know doesn't look like a red streak of nothing probably helped him out against Cloud. But Knuckles, Cecil, I mean, there's just I, I I couldn't see any reason for that match to be close because you know Kirby tripled Cecil in 2005 and then Wario doubled him last year and just I, and Knuckles, I mean, he he seemed like he hadn't fallen off quite as hard as the rest of Sonic Team. But and looking at last year, I know he kind of disappointed around one, but he he seemed like he maybe out of all Sonic team he had dropped the least, and then for him just to go out and struggle to beat Cecil and you know like if if this had been a night match Cecil probably win, which is which is astounding to me. I mean I I would have never picked Cecil to beat Knuckles. That would have been one of my least likely upsets out of anything that was you know even out there. Yeah, that was something. The one guy out of these five that I give a free pass is Leon. And I, I mean, I wouldn't normally. Normally, I'd say, "Wow, that was really bad. He really got exposed there." But after seeing a glitch from Pokemon beat a Noble Niner and seeing a uh, block or a cube, I guess, do so well, and seeing some of the things L Block has done, I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I didn't pick that low for him, but I, I thought it was definitely a, a possibility. So, kind of give him a pass. The other four guys, though, yeah, that was really bad. Uh, turning the tables, the most impressive winners of the round. These are the people who overperformed the most based on our expectations. In fifth place in this one was Ratchet, really yes. surprisingly, who, who killed Eddie by over 11% more than we thought. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, Yo Blazer will be happy to hear that Jill is number fourth, doing almost 12% better against uh, that terrible GTA character. Number three, as I just mentioned, a weighted companion cube over a really, wow, hopefully the weakest character in the bracket in Sandal. Uh, 12% overperformance there. Then number two, Kefka. Of course, we talked about that at length uh, in, in an earlier show. Overperformed by nearly 14%. And number one, who we just talked about, is actually Shepard over Ellis. Uh, putting up nearly 76%. That was about 15% more than we had him pegged for. Uh, Ed, you can start us off here. Who of those five really, uh, would you say, impressed you the most? Maybe it's because I don't really, I didn't really know Sandal at all, but the cube. Like, I had Sandal 
winning that match for a little bit because (laughs) i uh i thought like dragon age oh it's a really popular game it's the new game i'll put sand on there and then the ice hawk was like what are you doing and i was like yeah that's a good so I switched to the cube, and I'm really glad I did because, man, like Sandal just looked so bad in that match. And I, I, I think the cube is definitely like an iconic character. And I feel like um, even with that keeping in mind, I wouldn't have expected like an animate object like that to get seven, eighty, almost eighty percent on anything. You know? Yeah, that was a real shocker, and it should have opened their eyes maybe a little bit more to how good these non-traditional characters we're, we're going to be able to do all right of the other four char so ratchet jill kefka or shepherd who really uh who really impressed you the most uh i would have to go with jill valentine i just don't believe that nico could have fallen that much in over the year and considering her role in resident evil 5 i guess i shouldn't have been too surprised but i didn't really think resident evil 5 would have boosted anybody that much yeah, she she looked really good. Of course, so did uh, Wesker. And Leon might have looked good if he wasn't placed in a, a really bad position. All right, Leon, would you agree? Was, was, was Jill the most impressive there, or are you going somewhere else? Well, if, if I don't go with Jill, Yo Blazer's going to call me out on it because up like about the week leading up to that match, I kept talking about how I had such a bad feeling that Nico was going to maybe upset Jill, and I was kind of surprised at how little talk the match was getting. And then, of course, Jill goes out and doubles him and makes me look like an idiot. And, of course, Yo, Yo Blazer hasn't let me forget it yet. Every time I bring up Jill Valentine, he's always right there with a post to let me know that I had – just remind me how bad – how I said I had a bad feeling about this match. So I think just, just the fact that she just overwhelmingly overwhelmingly pounded him so badly. I mean, I mean, Nico didn't look that bad last year. I mean, he, he ended up not advancing, but, I mean, he beat, he beat Kafka. He wasn't too far behind Duke Nukem. For, so for Jill to come out and just double him just – I, I think that was pretty impressive. I'd have to give runner-up to Ratchet because I didn't ever think I'd see the day that he'd beat anybody, much less double anybody. I'm pretty impressed, mostly because I love Ratchet and Clank, so I, I was pretty pretty pleased to see him win something at least you know before he you know before he his series kind of fades out in there. He doesn't get in here anymore. Yeah, that was very good. I would definitely go with Kafka for my over performance. I mean, if he had just won. You know, 51%, 52%, I would have said, well, you know, we really overrated Warcraft. It looks good in four ways, but of course it was going to have trouble in 1v1s. But nearly 61% against someone who we thought was above Diablo, if anything. that That's the one that still uh, has me scratching my head. Wow, that, that was a really great performance. And I'm excited to see what he is uh, capable of next round. That was just a fluke or if he's... Going to have some legitimate strength this year. That should be fun. One thing that I'm kind of trying to work into my write-ups now, a trend we're seeing, is that when we get these new school characters against old school characters, it seems like we're getting some pretty good results and some kind of strange results, and the old school is is doing better than expected. We also saw that with uh, Ezio against Simon Belmont, uh, with Simon putting up a much better fight than we expected. Do you have any idea why that would be happening, or, or is that just kind of a, a coincidence, Ed, that, that we're seeing matches like that? No, I have no idea why that would be happening, honestly. Um, hadn't given it any thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, because it, it's happening too frequently to be a coincidence. I'll get back to you. All right, well, that's why I have you on the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my in-depth analysis. <laughs> So that is the end of our round one wrap-up. 
And just some final thoughts. What is something maybe we should look out for in, in round two and, and following? Aside from, of course, uh, Mizno. Leon, do you have any anything that our viewers should maybe keep an eye on? Oh, man, got to watch out for that Squall Terra match, man. Squall's going to put the blowout of the contest. Just watch out for it. Uh, no, seriously, on a serious note, I, I think Dante Ryu has got to be the match of, of round two because winner of that match is going to go probably, almost certainly go on to beat Leon, and they both put up similar performances against similar strength characters in round one, so it's kind of still kind of in a toss-up territory. I think Dante's a little bit of a favorite still, but that should that should that should be a good match. I think that's the that's the big match of round two for me. It's definitely the one my uh, bracket is riding on. I went with that Ryu upset, and really got my fingers crossed that it's going to come through. Charmander, is there any anything that people might be overlooking that they should keep an eye on for the coming rounds? I think people should look over the uh, chaos division. It's going to be pretty crazy soon. Uh, we have Ganondorf, we have Kirby, we have Vivi and Altair going against each other this round, which seems to be a pretty good match. Yeah, that Vivi one especially, uh, I thought he'd, <clears throat> I thought he'd have a fairly easy win there, but then DK looked so good, and then Liquid Snake either looked so bad, or, or I don't know what exactly happened in that match. So yeah, that's definitely one I, I would keep an eye on. Uh, Ed, any final thoughts heading into the next rounds here? I think we got to watch out for Zach Fair. Yes. Because <laughs> this is Zach Facts. And that is correct. Yeah. No, seriously, um, the big ones I think have already been touched on. Vivi Altair, Leon said about uh, Dante Ryu being a huge match because the winner's probably going to go on and beat Leon. Um, yeah, the, the, most of the big ones have been hit on already. Um, there's going to be like some smaller like matches that aren't going to affect too much. Like possibly um, Ike and Zidane might be one of those. Uh, Pikachu and Shepard. Shepard might do a little bit better than usual. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think unfortunately round two might be a little bit more boring than round one just because a lot of the um a lot of the strengths might be a little more set in stone at this point. So, but hopefully we'll see what happens and we'll get some some more upsets. That's why they're called upsets, right? Exactly. And well, some people have been saying we're giving the one v one format a little bit too much credit because I think we'd all agree this was a pretty fun first round. Some cool results, some unexpected stuff, and. Some people are saying, well, that isn't really the, the return to 1v1. It's more having 128 characters and so many people we don't know about or we thought we knew about, but it's been three or four years, and so their strength has changed. But personally, I think we're still going to see some surprises in round two um, because I do think that 1v1 is a superior format and results in more uh, more fun, more meaningful matches. So uh, did anyone else have any closing thoughts before we uh, finish up on the show? Leon, no, uh, nothing else you wanted to plug this week? Um, I guess you could vote in my NCAA characters contest. I could use some extra votals Ooh. if you don't mind. There we go. All right, final thought, uh, vote in the NCAA characters and i'd like to thank you guys for coming on this was a fun show problem hopefully having me. Yep, hopefully our viewers enjoy it and join us again for next week and we'll break down the opening matches of round two uh, until then this is endgamer and the show signing off
Waiting for 